Our scripture reading for today is Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 1 to 4, chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. Listen now to the word of the Lord. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? Or cry to you, violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes me like the deers. He makes me tread on my high places to the choir master with stringed instruments. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord be with you. Please pray with me. Dear God, we come to you this day asking for your will and your word to enter our hearts. Let the words of your prophet Habakkuk speak to us so that we can draw closer to you. Amen. This week, as we continue in the narrative lectionary, Following Pastor David's sermon a few weeks ago on Micah, we are coming back to the minor prophets and hearing from the prophet Habakkuk today. And although we won't be able to hear much else from the minor prophets within the narrative lectionary, they are full of very powerful and engaging words, and I would encourage you to explore them. But as I said, today we will be talking about Habakkuk. Now, as is the case with the other minor prophets, the works that are attributed to them uh, are much shorter than the books of the major prophets like Ezekiel and Isaiah and Jeremiah. And in general, for most of the minor prophets, there isn't much information that we know about the person whose name bears the title of the book. With Habakkuk, there is a good deal of speculation about multiple details with these writings and with his own life. But the lack of historical and concrete details both inside and outside of the text make it difficult to pin things down. Additionally, similar to other prophets in this prophetic role, Habakkuk named injustices and observations that were unpleasant to hear. But despite however ill-received these words usually were, prophets were called by God to speak the truth that they saw. And Habakkuk was certainly no exception to that. But it is significant to note that not all prophets or the writings attributed to them called out the same things within society, nor did they do that in the same way. 
For example, as we heard last week from the temple sermon in Jeremiah, he says these words of God to the people. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, I myself have seen it, declares the Lord. Similarly, in Isaiah, we hear another prophet criticize the people when saying, O sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. In their time and respective situations, these prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah had the job of admonishing the people for breaking their covenant with God. By violating this covenant relationship through the worshiping of other gods, allowing injustices to occur, and sometimes even perpetuating certain injustices for their own benefit, these prophets were there to remind the people of their God and to offer words of caution to bring them back into right relationship with God. Now Habakkuk, though also a prophet, spoke from what you could call an opposing position. So if in this covenant relationship, most prophets were criticizing the people, and if we say that Habakkuk was taking an opposing position, then realistically, the only other party that he could direct this criticism toward would be God. And that is exactly what he did. The verses that we read this morning from chapter one are Habakkuk coming right at God and not really holding anything back. In verse two, he says, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? It makes sense that Habakkuk would use the word violence here because the word in Hebrew could also be translated as cruelty or injustice, and it implies a chaos within society or a divergence from how things should be. And I can only imagine the amount of attitude with which Habakkuk would say this to God to not so subtly imply that God is, do- God is not listening or does not care about Habakkuk's painful cries of injustice. In the rest of this first chapter, as well as parts of the other chapters, Habakkuk and God have a back and forth about the state of society. And in this discourse, most of the prophet's words fall under the genre of poems of lament. Now, since poems of lament are key to understanding this passage, as well as being a common genre in the Old Testament, and since this is one of the few, if not only, times that we will encounter poems of lament in the narrative lectionary, I wanted to spend time talking about them this morning. And it's just in time for the holidays, too. So, if you're not familiar, poems of lament are a very common genre in the Old Testament. 
In fact, in the Psalms, there are more that are, that are categorized as Psalms of lament than are the ones categorized as Psalms of praise. And in fact, the Psalms of lament actually make up more than one third of the book of Psalms. But despite this, most people are more likely familiar with hearing messages like Psalm 95, which says, O come, let us sing to the Lord, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Overhearing things like Psalm 13, which says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? Now, Habakkuk's words and Psalm 13 are not very comfortable to hear, but there is something to be said for how honest and real they are. And I think the power of their honesty can be partly attributed to their similar structures as poems of lament. The general structure of a poem of lament is addressing God, a description of a complaint or complaints, a request for God's help, and then ending with an expression of trust in God. Understandably, the words of Habakkuk or something like Psalm 13 are not what most of us are used to hearing from the Psalms. And in this day and age, it can definitely feel like we are constantly hearing one negative thing after another. Because of this fairly constant negativity, some people think that the only or the best move that we can take is to overly, overwhelmingly focus on the positive parts of stories. But it is extremely important that whether we are reading these lament poems or talking with someone about their own laments and grief, that we don't skip or rush any steps. Now, I'm not trying to argue that positive talk is a bad move, and I'm not trying to turn this into a glass half empty versus glass half full type of conversation. I bring this up because, as I mentioned, I do not think we should skip any steps when it comes to understanding the structural flow of lament poems or in talking about someone's own laments and grief. Also, I think that solely focusing on the positive side of things without giving the proper weight to what some might call negative emotions can affect the power that expressions of hope have, and it can make them feel a bit watered down. Biblical scholar Kathleen O'Connor has said, Truth does not exist if pain cannot speak, nor is worship truthful if pain must be excluded. Now, this is one of my favorite quotes, and I, I find it to be incredibly powerful because pain is a reality of life. And whether or not we acknowledge it, to deny the existence of pain is to deny a very real part of life itself. While there are many terrible events that happen in the Bible, the feelings and responses of the people that are affected, despite how terrible or negative they may be, are also part of the story. Just like Habakkuk's words here. 
the prophet is openly pointing out many serious injustices happening in Israel's southern kingdom when he says, Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. These words by the prophet to God in the first chapter are addressing the reality of pain and suffering taking place at that time and in that region. And in doing so, Habakkuk is living into his call and his responsibility as a prophet to speak the truth that he sees. Acknowledging feelings like this of pain or anger can sometimes be seen as being weak or not disciplined enough. And these parts of the stories in the Bible are quite often left out or skimmed over in many sermons. And it is certainly understandable why someone would want to get to the ends of these stories because that is where the reconciliation usually occurs. And it can be very uncomfortable to hear this kind of talk directed towards God. Especially when communicated in this way, laments can be seen as disrespectful or ungrateful. And there can be an attitude that a person who feels this way does not have a strong enough faith. However, however, I want to be very clear that I do not believe that to be the case. Laments do nothing to dismiss or push away feelings of pain. And I believe that they, at their core, are faithful acts of prayer. I would go even further as to say that lamenting is a necessary part of a healthy and rich relationship with God. To lament is to intentionally and to honestly pray. It is a moment of being faithful in the midst of darkness and doubt. It is coming to God with our whole selves, with all of our fears and frustrations, with all of our scrapes and bruises and scars when we are at our lowest point and to choose to pray. Even outside of scripture, the importance of acknowledging pain can be seen in something like the five stages of grief, in which denial is the first step in processing grief, whereas anger, bargaining, and and depression are the steps that move one closer to acceptance. Similarly, in lamenting, we are able to work towards acceptance and ultimately towards healing by recognizing the pain and suffering and trauma that has taken place in our own lives and in the world. Now, so far, I have said a lot about the first two parts of the structure of a lament poem, and now we come to the last two parts, a request for help and an expression of trust in God. Looking back to where we started, I wouldn't blame you if you weren't sure how the feelings of Habakkuk were going to turn around. After all, Psalm 13 is only six verses long, with Habakkuk only being 56. 
And so there isn't a lot of room to work with here as there is in other books. But even in the shorter length of this writing, there is still time dedicated to each step of this process. And so these poems can flow naturally to their conclusion. In David's Psalm 13, after the first two verses that we, that we heard, uh, which address God and name a complaint, the next two offer a request for help based off of that complaint. And the final verse expresses this. But I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. And in the last chapter of Habakkuk, the prophet offers a prayer after his dialogue with God. And it is in this prayer that we see the form of a lament poem be completed. Following Habakkuk addressing God and descriptions of his complaints, the message translation makes the request for God's help very clear. It says, it says this, God, I have heard what our ancestors say about you, and I am stopped in my tracks, down on my knees. Do among us what you did among them. Work among us as you worked among them. And as you bring judgment, as surely you must, remember mercy. Like many parts of the Old Testament, what is said here is connected to previous moments in Israel's history. Here Habakkuk is referencing God delivering the people from the injustices that they experienced and endured in Egypt and is asking God for action to be taken against the injustices that are happening now, just as God did then. When you look back to the beginning of the first chapter, when Habakkuk accused God of not listening to or doing anything about the, all the terrible things going on, even him asking for God, asking God for help in this prayer is a pretty dramatic change in tone. But I see it as a sign that Habakkuk still has a deep trust in God, even after all the things that he has said to and about God. And I don't think that this request for help invalidates what he said at the beginning, because as I hopefully have mentioned before, it is part of the process. All of this is part of this process. The calling out to, the accusing, and the making a request of God has led Habakkuk to say these words. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. To me, this shows the strength of Habakkuk's faith. It is not in spite of what is going on or what he said before, but in light of these things that he is able to still have faith. Habakkuk's words are an honest, honest example of trusting that God hears our prayers, the praises, the laments, and any other kind that there is. When we lament, we present ourselves to God without any kind of of mask or facade. 
we engage in a process that has its roots in the Bible. And it is one that can draw us closer to God by laying out all of our thoughts and feelings and knowing that God will hear them. So, as we are slowly starting to see signs of hope and change, I pray that you remember the example of Habakkuk and his faith. I pray that whatever you may go through in your life, or however strong or weak your faith may feel, that you remember that laments are faithful acts of prayer and that God hears them. Please pray with me. God, in this season where we are asked what we are thankful for, we give thanks to be able to bring our honest thoughts and feelings to you. We thank you for this time to hear more about the diverse stories and messages of those whom you have called that ultimately point back to the love that you have for us. Amen.